It's 6ix9ine day. You made it. The greatest artist ever. Ever. Leonardo da Vinci, no shot. No shot. No shot. William Shakespeare, trash. Billy Shakespeare. Trash. Uh, Daniel Hernandez is no longer incarcerated. A.K.A. 6ix9ine. He will be dropping an album tomorrow. He'll be dropped with a series of bullets from multiple directions. That's a threat, and I will have you arrested. It's not a threat. That I'm is psychic. A threat. It is not a threat. That kid is level one protection I security. You're gonna, you're gonna snitch on and me. You're not, yeah, absolutely. Just like yeah, your idol. A- absolutely. Snitch not. Yeah. I snitch on everybody. If we are friends on Twitter, know that I do snitch on you. He's got files on you? Um, I am Feds. My name is Special Agent Russell Shackelford. Once again, Russell Shackelford. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the worst MMA podcast you will ever listen to. I am PTD Shaheen. And I'm uh, Robert. Nah, I'm Cole Henry. And this is. Get up, to get myself into a gym. Uh, we had a guest grappling coach at PE one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget what his name was. I just remember he would wear this hoodie that said judo on it, nothing mm-hmm. else. Anyway, we were grappling, and um, he was doing something. It was like a demonstration of a move, and just to be a prick, I escaped instead of uh, letting him complete the move. And I remember he just goes, oh, okay, and he patted me on the chest. And that was it for a little bit. About five minutes later, though, he starts doing rear naked chokes. And generally, when he would test some, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like show submissions, yes. he would use a different person each time. Right. Nah. That whole class, he rear naked choked me. And I remember the next day when I woke up to talk, I sounded exactly like 6ix9ine from all those rear naked chokes. Ah. So that's the end of that story. Um, how are you doing today, bud? I'm wonderful, man. Uh, you know, I uh, invested in some acorn. Like acorns, 
You know, I'm going to plant them. Oh, I thought we meant... Okay, okay. And I'm going to start a tree uh, business. Patty Appleseed. And then I'm going to start a squirrel business. I'm sorry? And then I'm going to combine both to make an energy power plant and supply the metro area with electricity. Via squirrel? Via squirrel. Are you still going to do the podcast? wheels. Um, that sounds like it'd be pretty big time. I'm going to be the supervisor of squirrel. So you're a squirrel guy. I'm squirrel man. We're going to have to move the location of the podcast, and I cannot help if that squirrel, you know, squirrel communication is heard on the podcast. So are you saying we're going to have to move the podcast? What in the hell? Furry tail rat? Um, uh, so you're saying we're gonna have to move? We're gonna have to, to move uh, to, uh, to uh, Gillis, to, to Gillis, Gillis, Louisiana, great to squirrel country, fine town, Gillis, Louisiana, mm. right capital, all of the, world. the way to Bunky. Uh, by the way, it's not true. It's not the right capital of the world. I apologize for saying that. But don't ever go to Gillis. You're not missing much. Uh, uh, I'm gonna move my entire neighborhood to Gillis. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be great. They're gonna get nice that? houses and. Live in Gillis. Plenty of opportunity in Gillis. I'll build a Walmart out there. I don't care. You know, there's a... We'll get to MMA in just a second. There's a little no. town in uh, somewhere in Louisiana. It's a settlement. There's there an Indian tribe that lived somewhere in the area, and they were relocated to this area a long time ago. And so, you know, they built their settlement there, their homeland. I mean, it's been their land for a long, long time. But uh, the issue is that erosion is pretty much destroying it. It used to be like hundreds of square miles, and now it's like three square miles. And all that's left is like a road with a few houses on it. And the government has offered them land elsewhere in the state that's not in danger of, of erosion. But these people have been there for so long that they don't want to uh, to leave like their sacred land. So it's just dwindling and dwindling. And they just keep moving closer and closer onto the land that's still above water. It's a pretty wild situation, speaking of uh, random towns in Louisiana. Anyway... Sorry about that. Uh, we got a couple of fights to talk about. There was a pretty uh, okay card this weekend. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I liked it more than I thought I would, well, actually. What would you grade it? I'm going to give it a solid... You know, I, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Okay? Because A+, plus, it wasn't an A-plus card. A-plus is reserved for... You got to have a, a killer main event. It, exactly. And then I'm going to say A-, minus though, because I was pretty much consistently entertained... From the start of the ESPN2 preliminary card until the main event. I'll agree with that. I mean, there was pretty much nothing but solid finishes. Right. Um, there were a few decisions in there, but they were all Dominant still good fights. performances by Amanda Nunes, pretty much. Yeah, um, we had Matt Brown get back in action for the first time in a long time. He beat Ben Saunders. That'll probably be the end of Ben Saunders' uh, UFC run. Is Matt Brown making kind of a resurgence, or is he just beating bottom-feeding dudes well, and that's it, until he wants to be done with it. This is his second win in a row, but it was his first fight since 2017. So, I mean, it's tough to say. He's 38. He has was a win. Was that the elbow from hell? Yeah, yeah. Diego Sanchez. Uh, Great elbow. And he uh, he tore his ACL. Um, he was that's supposed to fight. to recover after, you know, when you're 38 or 36. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to fight Carlos Condit in mid-2018, but towards ACL, so this was his oh. first fight. So uh, Maybe. He's exciting. Uh, that was a good fight. Yeah. Good fight. Uh, Memorial Akhmadov beat Ian Heinish. This was my upset pick for my bets, and I got it right. Heinish was a favorite. Uh, but Akhmadov's fought really well lately, and Ian Heinish, I just... 
I, I don't know. He, uh, he has a good story. He looked good in his first couple of fights, but the more we see him you compete, know, the more limited I'm he seems. getting really sick of uh, other religions picking on the Jews. Okay. Uh, Anan Heinish uh, <laughs> was going to harness the power of Israel. But uh, Mr. Akhmadov didn't let that happen. Have we confirmed that Ian Heinish is Jewish? Yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not... Yes. I'm just... The, the name... His Hanukkah candles have been out for four days is, now. Is this accurate? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm yes. going to take your word for Ian it. Ian Heinish is Jewish, 100%. 100%. Um, so that's all I got on that fight. Uh, not seeing anything about it. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, we'll move on. Irene Aldana and Ketlin Vieira. This was a sleeper fight. Uh, I didn't expect too much from this That's one. That's an insult. Well, no. When I say that, I mean that, you know, Ketlin Vieira was undefeated coming into this fight. She was number two or three in the world. She had some quality wins. Whereas, she got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, and Irene Aldana's kind of struggled as of late. I mean, and not really. I think she's won like five of six. But she lost the Raquel Pennington fight, and she just hasn't had the steam that... Uh, Kellen Vieira has had, but now she definitely has. She definitely I, does. Have I think same. you're starting to see a separation in a few women's divisions of top ten fighters. Yeah, I think we can definitely tell who the ten best are. But I think what has to happen is the gap between the champions and the contenders. and the top three yeah. need to become smaller. And that in one fifteen, I don't think that's a problem. I think there's four or five women in that yeah. division that can hold the title by twenty twenty one. Yeah, and if you really think about it, you know the wins divisions, even the deeper ones. There's really only three or four guys in most of them that will realistically right. ever be champions. Right, but you know you can't say it for light heavyweight, but a lot of those divisions, conceivably, the top three guys could win. Yeah. Any given I, I fight. I mean, if you think back to when Ronda Rousey was winning, she was the closest thing we had to an elite fighter. And she was for the time, but she didn't really ever fight anybody that we would probably consider to be elite competition right. outside. You know, so uh, I think that at that time, you know, you had what we had then. And if you look now, there's several female fighters that are, are you know, for sure temp, top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world or pound for pound. Do you know the only thing that's the same from 2012 to 2019? John Jones is the light heavyweight champion, and he's dominant. And yeah. like, people don't see somebody beating him for I mean, the foreseeable future. That's the thing. I mean, he technically lost it during that time period right. when it was... But, I mean, it's similar to when, you know, like I guess like Ali... It was... He was taken from You him. can't call Daniel Cormier's run a paper champion. No, Daniel Cormier he, held that belt and defended it. beat some good it. contenders. Some really good contenders. But, uh, yeah, John Jones is the light heavyweight king. Absolutely, and like that that speaks to how great he is because, you know, four years ago, we think Jose Aldo is going to be the most dominant champion in UFC history. We were wrong. Heenan Burrell before that, wrong. I mean, like, so it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to think yeah. about. Yeah, they're definitely getting denser. Uh, all right, Jeff Neal. Um, Killer man, looking like he's gonna be a problem. Guys, uh, guys won five uh, straight in the UFC. Six, if you want to count the contender series, he's finished all but one opponent, and that was Bilal Muhammad. So shout out to my brother, and I mean it, brother, Mike Perry. Oh, uh, yeah, Mike Perry. We'll, we'll get to him in just a second. I, I, I think Jeff Neal looks like a, a contender here. I'd love to see him fight Matt Brown. Obviously, I haven't actually, but uh. Anyway, uh, on to Mike Perry. You know, off the top of your head, considering the amount of coverage that Mike Perry's fights gets, I don't think that you would. Uh, you know, I don't think that most people know that he's he's thirteen and six, mm-hmm. 
He's lost five of his last seven fights mm-hmm. after starting four and one in mm-hmm. his career. Uh, you know, and if you look at his his wins, it's difficult to say that any of them are really quality wins. I mean, the Alex Oliveira win was nice. He beat Paul Felder, but Felder was a lightweight, and this fight was at welterweight. He beat Alex Reyes again, who was a lightweight. Beat Ellenberger, who was was so so shot at that time. I mean. If you look at his losses, I mean, Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque, Donald Cerrone, Max Griffin, Santiago Ponzinibbio, I mean, he's fighting good fighters, but he really wasn't close to winning any of those fights. He was... Like a Max Griffin loss. That really tells you where Mike Perry is. It does, yeah. You know, you can write off... No offense to Max Griffin. He's a good fighter. But but, but he'll lose to average fighters. You know, you can write off a loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Same with Luque, same with Cerrone. But even Jeff Neal, you know, as good as Jeff Neal seems. There are more talented prospects. There are better fighting prospects in the UFC rank than Mike Perry. 100%. And those guys will get to that doormat fight, and they'll beat Mike Perry. Jeff Neal is in a different league with Mike Perry, and he proved that. Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Mike Perry's he's too small for the division, I think. He just Absolutely. always looks like the smaller man. Right. And his style it relies on brawling, and the problem with that is that, you know, he's got to take some to give some. And when you're the smaller guy, it doesn't always work out in your favor. You're getting hit by, you, you know, you have to rely on your chin. And that's just not always the best thing to do. And it's uh, it, it's not really bit him too, too bad uh, until this Jeff Neal fight, but um, he has a lot of holes in his game for sure. Um He's so much like his buddy that fights for PFL. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he's the, the oh Alex Nicholson, the heavyweight. They're both, you know, they're both heavy, heavy hitters. But man, they've got some salty records. Not that that's either here nor there. Anyway, uh, on up to the main card. Um, let me ask you: Uriah Faber and Peter Young. Was it more competitive, less competitive than you thought it was going to be? You know, if Uriah doesn't get cut, the fight goes on. And you know, do I think he? Do I think he finds himself getting beat up like that for fifteen minutes? No, I think Uriah's got more scrap in him than that. Uh, I think Peter Yon would have won a three-round decision if it had gone that way. Maybe all three rounds. I mean, he looked great until they stopped the fight. So um, I expected Uriah to 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 put on a good enough fight to where people would be surprised. And I don't think that was the case. So, yeah, I'm surprised Peter Yon, after a uh, a win is a win, but it wasn't his best one in the UFC. Following that with this performance, yeah, that's definitely a bigger step. And that's definitely him saying, I want some recognition. Somebody's got to fight for a belt at 135 soon. And if if it's going to be somebody, it should be me. You got a couple of guys sitting at 135 waiting for that title shot to come. Now we're hearing the loser of a fight later on in the night might get that shot. So, you know, I don't know. But Peter Jan's definitely one of the top four 135ers in the world, and he should get a shot at it. It's ridiculous to say this, but I think things would be more clear had Faber beat Peter Jan, because I think he would probably be next in line for a title fight. Absolutely, 100%. For some reason, though, the UFC doesn't seem apt to jump on Peter Jan right now. I don't know if it's because... They don't seem to have to jump on uh, Aljo, because they think Sehudo's just a more profitable champion, and they know both of those guys probably beat Henry up. Yeah, I don't get the why... The difference is too much. Aljo specifically. Aljermaine Sterling is a much, much larger man than Henry Sanders. God, I would love to see that fight. I don't get... I mean, part of it, I think, 
is that Henry Cejudo seems to be, I don't know if he's holding out or what, but he always posts about how, like, uh, you know, he either wants to go to a different division or maybe he'll go do this. or So I think part of it's Henry Cejudo here. And if that's the case, like, take the Bantamweight title from him and let uh, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling fight. You have two fight. stagnant divisions right now. Because of There's Henry Cejudo. There's no reason yeah. for 125ers or 135ers that are in a comfortable spot to fight right now. And that's the thing. You know, Henry Cejudo initially, I think what people liked about him was he, he, he breathed a bit of fresh air in a, the, sort of a dead division. But at this point, he's doing more damage than Demetrius Johnson ever did. Johnson at least fought regularly, yes. even if he didn't love his fights. Yes. Henry Cejudo's, again, I said it last week, but he just takes Johnson all Johnson wiped out a division. Yeah. And Cejudo, I mean... He made the lap in that division. He fought... That That was a rematch that Mighty Mouse won. And, and that's the thing. Like, that's got to be stated. Like, Cejudo, as of now, has not even done a tenth of, of what, what I mean, Mighty Mouse he, did. He beat Mighty Mouse in but a yet, fight Joe that... Joe Rogan's still going to say he he's... One of the best 125ers of all time. I mean, no. sure, one of the best because yeah, there's one not a lot clear yeah. best at that weight no. class. Had he knocked Demetrius Johnson out in 30 seconds, it, then it's one thing. And I got I to gotta rant real quick. MMA Twitter, shut the fuck up. Like, anybody that says Sehudo was better or comparable to Mighty Mouse, you're wrong. You are wrong. I've seen that argument try to be made. It's clear that some people jump on the sport, you know, within a year ago. But at least do some research, man. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson was one of the best champions, a top five champion the UFC will see for another 20 years. Easily. Easily. Yeah, I mean, right now, could, he's number two in my book. I mean, John yeah, Jones. that's what I was going to I think had he had the same statistics that he had in a tougher division, no one would even argue that he's not the best. But it's just, you know, if you say he defended the belt 12 times, there's going to be somebody that'll say, yeah, or 10, whatever it was, 10, 11 times. They're going to say, yeah, but who did he beat? There's nothing that convinces me, nothing convinced me, that if Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson was 6'4 and the same length as John Jones, that he would not beat John Jones. Like, if that was the case, he seems to I have pick a, Mighty Mouse uh, in that fight. He seems to have a work ethic that is, like, second to none, basically. He's, an, he's a machine. Yeah. And he performs like it in the cage. Um, All right, so that was that. That was that. Um, we got from Peter Yon to Mighty Mouse. I'm sorry. No, we'll but, but it's, that's you know bit. that's what makes this interesting, I guess, <laughs> for whoever's still listening. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I like that fight a lot. Um, it, was it was a, a good fight. fight. Um, Shout out to Uriah, man. No matter what you do, I like you know I was a Uriah favorite for a long uh, Uriah hater for a long time, but I've I've come around. And you got to give him props. I mean, you know, he is. F- 40. He, he hadn't fought for damn legend. a few years, comes out of retirement, beats Ricky Simone quickly. Somebody he should not have beaten. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's definitely one of the greatest ever. I know Peter Yan said he's not a legend, which, I mean, I know that's, it, it is what it is, it's gamesmanship, but like, it's not even questionable to me that Faber's definitely, uh, I know that the Mount Rushmore One of the most memorable 135ers ever. Yeah, he's, uh, I feel like you gotta break up Mount Rushmore by, um, by weight classes now, but he's definitely on the bantamweight, uh, bantamweight and featherweight Mount Rushmore. I'd agree with that. A lot of success there. Um, alright, speaking of bantamweights, Marlon Marais beat Jose Aldo. I'm just gonna start out by saying I personally thought that Jose Aldo won the fight. I've seen a lot of people making the argument that Aldo dropping down a weight class and fighting a smaller man and not getting the finish is why he lost. Which to me just that's not how this a fight scored. I, I just don't understand that logic. I've seen lots of people saying that, but uh, I mean, you know, it's it's scored round by round, and to me, Jose Aldo won two of three rounds, uh, not getting a finish. Um, you know, a finish would have been good because it would have guaranteed him the win. But to me, Aldo did enough to to beat Marlon Marias. 
Um, and it just sucks to see Aldo, you know, he had such a great weight cut. If he could have come down, beat Marias, you know, you're looking at a potential title contender. But now, you know, he's kind of just in this tough spot. Does he go back to 145? Does he cut to 135 again? It's just kind of got to wonder where he goes from here. So I'll agree with you. I think Jose won the fight. But um, in terms of egregious decisions, that doesn't make my top five oh, of the no. year. Me I mean, neither. like, so he, he won two rounds. That yeah. was clear. Yeah. There was one round that was close, but he won it by statistics. Mm-hmm. And usually you'd say, you know, if a fighter won a close round, statistically you'd go with that fighter. But that was not the case. Marlon Marias gets the win. Uh, look, Henry Cejudo very quickly goes to Twitter and calls Jose out after losing a fight. We've talked about Cejudo just about 48 seconds ago, so I'll skip it. But this is a problem. It's just annoying. Like, is that really what he wants? To, I mean, it reminds me of when... He doesn't want to do it. I mean, not to criticize Woodley, not to drag him into this, but remember when he won the belt, he immediately was calling for fights with GSP and, like, moving up to fight. He just was looking for super fights immediately, which I understand. But it's just difficult to really get behind a guy if, A, he doesn't fight much. Not, And I'm no longer talking about Woodley, but I'm just comparing the way that, you know, you don't ever see... Henry Cejudo saying, I want to fight Peter Yan, or I want to fight Aljamain Sterling. He calls out the Uriah Favors, right. the Jose Aldos, these much older fighters. Or he calls out guys that are weight classes too big. And, I mean, I get what he's trying to do. But I think, you know, eventually he's going to lose the support that he's been able to build because people are just going to get sick of him just calling out fighters that, you know, nobody wants to see you call out. You know, it's like, we'll talk about Usman in a little bit, but he said he would like to fight GSP next. It's like at some point, like you just gotta stop calling out guys that don't fight anymore or guys that aren't on your level anymore. Not to say that GSP is not on Usman's level, but Usman just stopped who was arguably the second best welterweight in the world. You would think, I, I don't know. It's just I guess they'll always hold GSP in some sort of like this light because he didn't yes. lose at the end of his career. Yes, but at some point. You know, he's going to be in his 40s. It doesn't make sense to keep calling him out, I think. I think the best thing Usman can do, and we're going to talk about him in a second, but it's, it's to not call out GSP, call out the next contender, do what he can to build his own legacy and put uh, you know, put put his own title reign together. Um, anyway, in terms of Marlon Marias, uh, again, a lackluster win, but he did get the win. It's probably the biggest of his career in terms probably. of name value. Probably. Um, his UFC run's been pretty much nothing but successful outside of that monumental collapse against Henry Cejudo. But he did so Chill well. Out. Well, I mean, he beat his Chill ass in out. round one, fell apart in round two. I think that my point is, with how good he did in round one, I think he could get a rematch. Magic man. Don't lose to this crowd. Magic man. We found out that oh. night that magic isn't real. Oh, magic man. EPO is. Uh... Uh-huh. Thriller show, come back, come back, Thriller show. He looks. That's like what's gonna happen. Henry's not fighting until TJ comes back. Thriller show's gonna, gonna come back, back, take both of his belts. <laughs> On that CEPO, there's gonna be that extra, extra stuff that UFC won't catch for about four years. That's yeah. He's gonna come back just to like two hundred pounds, and he's gonna be like, no, I've just been cutting a lot <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Um, all right, Amanda Nunes, Jermaine Deronda made two. Uh, you know, I, I won't say too much about this one. I think we found out that Amanda Nunes is a very well-rounded champion. Multi-faceted champion. Yeah. I really thought she would try to prove herself on the feet against Deronda May, but, uh, 
you know, I think she was losing in some of the exchanges, especially she started to get tired. So she just took her down, you know, took Deronda May down where she had a clear cut advantage. And uh, one she has easy a striking advantage, probably four out of five fights. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see. Jermaine Deronda and Holly Holm are two of the most technical strikers in, in the sport. I think with Deronda May, the re- you know, I think Holly Holm offers, as good as she is technically, she doesn't offer, she doesn't have the body type that Deronda right. May has. Deronda May is built to beat an Amanda Nunes. Yeah, so I think Nunes realized, you know, it's not necessarily that she would have been murdered on the feet had it stayed there, but she could avoid some dangerous positions by just taking Deronda Why May down. Why getting hit in the face? Yeah. And I won't say she was the most active top controlling, but she did enough to stay there. And that's how champions should fight, man. Like, win the fight. If you're winning the fight, go with the easiest path. And Jermaine did not want to do anything to get off her back. And Amanda took advantage of that. It was a good win for a great champion. Who's there? Here's the question. Her Who did fight? she fight next? Megan, An- Megan Anderson. Why not God, it's it? like, God, I don't want to see that at all. But... <laughs> If Megan Anderson kills that girl she's fighting next, it's realistic. It's realistic. Amanda Nunes, it'd be a favor for Amanda Nunes to drop the 135 belt. It really would. She proved her point. Nobody at 135 is beating her. Nobody at 145 is beating her. That's the problem. So it'd be gracious of her to drop that belt and not try to kill herself on that weight cut just to prove a point anymore. Let me point this out. Amanda Nunes is a featherweight champion. The UFC doesn't even have rankings for that division. Yes. Bantamweight champion uh, as well. Okay, She's beat... Dur- I'm going to name the top five. She's beat Jermaine Durandamay. Kellen Vieira is coming off a loss. She will lose this ranking. She beat Holly Holm. Aspen Ladd I just do not think is ready. No. Juliana Pena is there, but I just I don't Aspen think she Ladd offers... Aspen will never be ready for an Amanda Nunes. It's a different mm. form of athlete. Yeah, I mean, you've got Raquel Pennington. The... It just dropped... From below them, though, I mean, Sarah McMahon, Irene yeah. Aldana, yeah. Lisa Landsberg. And if I'm being honest, the problem with Amanda dropping that belt is that uh, Valentina goes up and takes it. And holds it until she doesn't want to anymore. I mean, it sucks to say, but that they fought twice. But yes. still, the most compelling fight is, is Nunes and Shevchenko. And, and I don't want to see it again. There's no, there's no realistic point in it. Valentina makes 125 without a problem. Well, That's much more her class. They created that class for her. And it gets to a point to where, like, I mean... If Aspen you- Ladd and Shevchenko would excite me much more than Shevchenko and News 3. It gets to a point, like, if you and I fight ten times, you beat me nine times, and I beat you once. It's like, it's like, I'll always be able to say I beat you that one time, but the bigger question is, why in the hell are we fighting ten times? Right. And my point here is that, like, at some point, when you've got Jermaine Durant, I mean, sorry, Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes... As the top two fight, you can't keep matching them up because yes. it, it, it gets look like if 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 Valentina's two inches taller, has about five inches more reach, and and is built like Amanda. Yeah, I think she's the better. She's, fighter. I think she's the better fighter as well. It's yeah. just Amanda Nunes is just a different level athlete, and, just and in these divisions, a specimen <laughs> like Cyborg was the best shot. Cyborg, I think a lot of people went into that fight thinking if Nunes doesn't beat Cyborg, nobody else will. What we came out of that fight thinking is nobody's going to beat Amanda Nunes. Exactly. Like, I don't even want to... The idea of a rematch between Nunes and Cyborg doesn't even interest me. I mean, it's almost worth creating a 155 division to get some fresh faces in the UFC and and let Amanda Nunes dominate them. PFL has uh, Kayla Harrison now, so it's possible they could bring him over. Let's be serious. Yeah. 
Amanda, if Amanda stays on the feet in that fight, it's over. All right, getting off subject. Um, all right, co-main event, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky did something that has not been done since Conor at McGregor did it. Yeah, at, at 145. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, since 2013, that is to beat Max Holloway at featherweight. Uh, I mean, he had beat, I mean, everybody there was to beat. It really hadn't had too, too many close fights. He's had competitive fights, but not necessarily any close ones as a featherweight. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky swept him. I mean, I, I, it was three rounds to two, in my opinion. Maybe 4-1. But... Uh, I don't. I, what did you think about that? Ozzy's to... taken over. I saw it four one. I saw Max one in the second. I believe it was the second or third. I, I couldn't tell you exactly which round. I, all I thought he won was the. I think he won the fifth for sure. I okay, think. yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the sec. I scored another one for him. I think for the torch. Might have been the second. One. I will say that Volk uh, clearly won three rounds. Yeah, that's what I will say. He clearly, clearly won the won fight. Them. Like you know. Like, yes. In ter- the overall fight, Max was looking to counter. Volk didn't give him a chance. He was throwing one-twos and getting out of the way. One-twos, getting out of the way. It, throwing those leg kicks early. You want the game plan to beat Max Holloway? Watch the Dustin Poirier and Alexander Volkanovsky film. They go for that leg so quick. When you let Max move in and out at his pace, his flow, Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega got beat up because he kept headhunting. Don't headhunt against Max Holloway. That's pointless. Here's Ozzy's questions. taking over. It's a, it's a, like it's dangerous. Question number one: Is Max? Does this affect? Okay, J- Joe Rogan is famous for saying that Max Holloway is now a featherweight goat. This isn't me asking. Like, does this affect how you view Max Holloway's status all time in the featherweight? No, um, I personally never had him ahead of Jose Aldo. Me neither. I, me neither. Uh, and the argue, the only argument he's got, in my opinion, is that he beat Aldo. What's, and I know that's a strong argument, but this was a, it wasn't like this was Aldo's second defense. He had reigned for a long time. Yes. And from that point, from that Max Holloway loss, you know, he's lost two more fights since then. He lost to McGregor two fights before the Holloway loss. I, my point is, I don't think the best Jose Aldo in the world lost to, to Max no, Holloway. No, I don't think so either. Um, Jose... Is number one. Max Holloway is number two. Conor McGregor, three for the fact that he had zero defenses. He won the that, belt at least. Yeah, yeah. He's number three just because of what he did later after winning that belt. He'll get past consistently. So though. if Volk beats Max again, and anybody that thinks that Max, I saw some dude said Max needs time to gain the regain the ground like Volkanovski clearly has on Max Holloway is as good as anyone yeah. on any given night. I think Volk's camp game plan so exactly. Well. I, this isn't me. I think a, like I'm not generally interested in rematches, but I think a rematch between these two could be a, a little bit compelling Max because I think it. a big part of it was the game plan. You know, there were certain. Yeah. Poets in the fight where, like, every time Max Holloway threw a jab, he was getting inside low kick. And I think that he was just out of the fight so early. He was having to switch stances so he wasn't fighting in his regular stance. And I just don't think he was ever in the right frame that he wanted to be in. And because Volkanovski kept him from getting there. So uh, I think if he retools a little bit, he could potentially beat Volkanovski. But um, if Volk beats him again, get ready for the Alexander Volkanovski show. Because yeah. they're going to push that dude to the moon. They're going to have two Australian cards a year. They're going to Alexander Volkanovsky becoming champion really helps Dan Hooker. I think Dana sees a big ass market in Australia. 
that loves them some rough and tumble sports. And, uh, yeah, they could develop a – that gym, that gym is outstanding. And there's some – You have two champions at two of the best weight classes in the sport. And they both got some good <clears throat> matchups, potentially. I mean, Volkanovski can rematch Holloway. A fight with Ortega might be interesting. Uh, Zabit is there. Yair Rodriguez. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't favor a lot of these guys against him after that performance against Holloway. But you never know. I mean, I will say this. His performance was so incredible. And, you know, so much of his game plan, you know, if you watch the Jose Aldo fight, it was really based on pressuring Aldo against the fence and keeping him, you know, keeping him from striking. Right. Whereas in this fight, it was such a well-developed game plan. You know, you always you see fights that through that occasionally. You know, the, the last one I can really think of was uh, Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz. You know, it, it's like is is that you know that type of game plan is not going to work for Volkanovski in every fight. So we're going to see how much depth he's got as he defends the belt. You know, against guys some pretty diverse fight. You know, Ortega's a grappler with boxing. Um, Yair Rodriguez has the kicks. I mean, Chan Sun Young's got everything. There's some really interesting fights for uh, Volkanovski. <clears throat> all right, main event. We have gone on about all of this for a while longer than I thought we would. But uh, Kamara Usman. I think we're at the 20 minute point. So yeah, we're close. We're probably not doing as bad as I'm thinking. Um, Kamara Usman, Colby Cup. Yeah. Uh, you take it. Uh, look, man, this, uh, this fight was built to be a political clash. Uh, this fight was meant to create arguments on social media, and it did a great job. Um, it was also the two most deserving fighters for a title shot. The other guys I could think of would be Leon Edwards and Tyron Woodley. Leon Edwards just happened to be the odd man out, and after the performance Tyron Woodley got gave last time he was in the octagon, he absolutely does not deserve a title rematch, and he needs to come off that horse and fight somebody anywhere because he needs a win. Covington would <clears throat> be a good fight for him. Um... Good lord, the first two rounds were so intriguing. There was not a takedown attempt. There were two half-assed bullshit, like, fakes at takedown attempts that nobody really planned on executing. They both stand and traded. They both defended themselves well. Uh, Kamara won one of those rounds clearly, and another round was close. Uh, personally, if this would have gone to a five-round decision, I thought Colby was winning the fifth until that point of getting knocked out. So I would have had it 3-2 Kamara Usman to Colby Covington's two. Uh, <clears throat> it was a damn good fight. It was a damn good fight. If these guys, uh, let's say they cross paths three fights from now and they they do nothing but dominate and get their names just a little bit bigger. And Kamarisman can get a little more entertaining on a microphone. Then it'll be a massive fight. And, and I think it was, uh, I think it was a good, good fight. Um, event. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean, it definitely was set up to be an emotional fight. It was for a lot of people. You know, I, for whatever reason, I, uh, you know, actually, I have fighters that I like a lot, obviously, but for whatever reason, you know, I'm more of a fan of the sport than any individual right. fighter. So it's very easy for me to kind of not get caught up in the sort of uh, back and forth shenanigans. I mean, for me, Usman versus Covington was a really interesting matchup, and that's why I wanted to see it. And I thought they did a great, uh, you know, I thought both guys had a good performance. Uh, I, I, too, I had 2 2 going into the fifth. And I think had Usman not got the finish, he probably would have got a 10-8 round because of how close it was to a finish. Uh, so I think Usman would have won the decision. But uh, I do think that Colby Covington, you know, after the fight, Usman 
kind of downplayed Covington's performance, and uh, he may have said otherwise since, but uh, I think that, honestly, Kobe Covington did a whole lot better than I thought he was going to do. I almost convinced myself that Covington was just going to get uh, kind of out-wrestled like uh, Woodley did. So uh, he did well, but you know I think Usman was able to target the body, and you could tell as it was happening that Covington really didn't have much of an answer for it. So it was going to be kind of a race against time. Like, is he going to be able to to either finish the fight or outlast Usman before these body shots catch up with him? And I think you know he took some big shots, yes. some big big Kobe shots. Kobe put out more offense, but Kamara's significant strikes were yeah. much more significant. Usman, I you know I don't think Usman's got. If you look at his body. You know, if you look at Tyron Woodley, Woodley hits like he looks like he would right. hit. Usman Short, does not. stacked guy. Yeah, like Usman's a pretty, you know, he's got long he's arms, he's got son. big arms, but he yeah. just, for whatever reason, doesn't have KO power. So, uh... He doesn't look for him. But his boxing's way better than I thought it was. Like, his boxing is good. And, um... That's, okay, that being said... He shouldn't go out there and try to box Jorge Masvidal if that fight happens. I don't think he would. I don't you know, think he would either. I think that Usman, my opinion, you know, I don't think he's got the best knees. He said that before, and I think that you know, I think in scrambles, I think that Covington would have had the advantage. So I'm, I'm not saying that Usman was trying to avoid wrestling, but I think as long as Covington was willing to strike, I think Usman felt comfortable there and was willing to to to, to fight him there instead of trying to grapple with a I guy think that's- who. I, not to criticize Usman, he's a great, but I think Covington probably is maybe the more explosive guy. He's at least shown more explosion yes. in the ring. Yes. Now he does generally fight at a slower pace. And Kamara was able to keep him away with short, short shots, and short just, yeah. punches to the face. And, Kobe and the, did not want to keep getting hit. The face body, and body shots you meant, like. Well, I think that you know, I think it was the constant shots to the body that just eventually opened Covington up. And it was up. right to the solar plex. I mean, he was tar- that that right leg was kicking. Right in between the rib cage, right in between the chest, that solar plex area. That is not a fun place to get hit, especially ten times by a leg. He he had a great game plan going. In. I think Kamara's camp had a better game plan than Colby's going in that fight. Yeah, I think. So I too. think they are still. I think they are very evenly matched. I wonder if that fight gets reran, and that would be a three peat at that point. Correct. Um. Yeah. And Kamara's won both. Yes. So, I mean, it's going to be tough for Colby to get back. Yeah. He's going to have to win some fights dominantly. And if he gets Tyron, he's got to dominate him. And Colby knows that's not a that's not a title eliminator for him. But for Tyron, that, you know, beating Colby gets him a title shot. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And that's the thing. I um, Covington, it, it's hard to say how far he is from a rematch. I mean, I guess, you know. If he beats the right guy, he could get there sooner rather than later. But uh, for me, this, you know, it, it, it was easy for me to kind of write off the Covington, I mean, sorry, the Usman performance over Woodley. Not write off, but, you know, they had similar styles. Usman's the bigger guy, and he's the younger guy. It, it's not that I wasn't sold on Usman, but I needed to see this performance against Covington to, to really, you know, I think he could be champion for a while if he uh, plays his cards right. I mean, if he gets the Usman matchup next, I think he'll win that one, so... uh yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. 
Um, well, that's right. that. That's pretty much it for UFC 245. Five dollars for Passan. Who's betting on that? Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's even on that card. That main event. Let's talk about the main event for UFC Passan coming up, ladies and gentlemen. We are the best, most in-depth MMA show you've ever heard of. We're gonna just talk about this main event. For um, you. for the record, you do do Ho Choi's fighting on this card. He'll be back in action. Uh, Matt Schnell's on the card. Cyril Gaines on the card. There's some decent fighters. That's an early morning card though, and. Uh, a lot of these matchups are, are not the most compelling, uh, but what is compelling, the co-main event is Volkan Ozdemir and Alexander Rachik, which is also a pretty uh, notable light heavyweight belt, but the main event uh, is worth waking up early for. Uh, Frankie Edgar, shout out to Ray Freeman, um, against Chan Sun Young, Korean Zombie. Who was initially slated for this fight against Korean Zombie? Um, the man who 10 years ago had a choice. Brian Ortega. I'll tell you one thing about Brian Ortega. This is a big opportunity for Brian Ortega to miss. He's he's that one forty five picture is getting bigger, and he doesn't have the most secure spot right now. He's, in my opinion, him not fighting has. He's still ranked number one or number two, but I think he's pretty much out of the title picture at this point. I mean, he he won't fight in two thousand nineteen. So he'll be at least out of action for a year. You know, he got beat by a guy who just lost the championship. So uh, I think that, you know, he needs to come back and win a couple of fights. That's Max's next fight. Yeah, I mean, and not not to – but if you look at Brian Ortega's wins, you know, he's still got the win over Frank Yeager, but a lot of the other ones are not aging very well. So uh, he needs to come back and probably refresh himself in some people's eyes. All right, so Frank Yeager and Chance Hunger? Yeah, um – it's a weird fight, obviously, because this is you know Frankie Edgar was scheduled to drop to bantamweight, and if I'm not mistaken, as of now, the the bantamweight fight's still on with Corey Sanhagen. Because Frankie Edgar's just a machine, man. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't Love know if that's true, Frankie but it's Edgar. what I've heard. So uh, if you know, I guess if he beats Chan Sun Young impressively or quickly, you know, doesn't take much damage, he could conceivably fight Volkanovski. But um, Volkanovski already got that, didn't he? Well, no, I meant the Corey Sanhagen fight, okay. but um, in terms of uh no, in terms of Edgar, Edgar has not fought Volkanovski. Well, that or you could you know force Henry Cejudo to fight somebody that's gonna beat his ass at one thirty five. Yeah, you can tell what Henry's doing though. He's trying to take the Floyd Mayweather route. It's a good model, you know, win the win the belts and then fight just far lesser competition because you know the hardcore fans know, but most people don't know. So if you know if Henry Cejudo beats a bunch of you know, Big damn near forty-year-old fighter. All people know is that he just beat Frank Yeager, Uriah Faber. Yeah, you know what? We know that these guys are near retirement. Most other people, though, they just hear these casual. You know, they're casual fans. Hear these names. It it, it grows his star to the people that you know are going to make him more money somewhere down the road. He's already getting the money from the hardcores, I guess. So he's trying to grow his star beyond that. But um, anyway, to this fight, Edgar uh, and Chan Sun Young. Who do you who do you pick for this one? I'm going to go Korean Zombie. Really? Yeah. Yep. How so? Slick-ass KO during a scramble. Really? He'll knock him out. Yeah, and I know that's crazy to think about, but this is going five rounds. Frankie's traveling a long way for this fight. And I, I guess you could say Korean Zombie probably is as well. He's training out of Arizona these days, so God knows. But I think Frankie... It's it's hard to explain why. I just love what Korean Zombie's doing since he's been back in the UFC. 
and I think he continues to roll. Yeah, I um, I'm actually gonna go with Korean Zombie as well. I don't think he'll finish Frank Yeager. I think it'll be a decision. I just, to me, the Frank Yeager that we saw against Max Holloway, you know, Max Holloway has great takedown defense. He's got a, a long reach. It's kind of a nightmare, nightmare matchup for Frank Yeager. But that never really affected him in the past. So I just feel like, you know, he's 38 years old. I feel like maybe he's finally starting to slow down a little bit. Uh, again, sorry, Ray. But, um, you know, Chan Sun Young seems to be sort of in the prime of his career. Uh, I think he'll win a decision. I don't think he'll finish Edgar. But I do think that we'll see a performance from Frankie Edgar that shows that he's definitely, uh, you know, he's probably reached that point where. Shout out my guy at Ray's on my plot of soup. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's it for UFC Passat. Yeah, that's all we're doing for there. The card is uh, going to be on early Saturday morning. I'll be texting you about it at about 7.30 a.m. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, before we get out of here, as always, you can find the stuff that I write when I do that type of stuff on the scrap and also MMATorch.com. Uh, obligatory shout-out. We already did it for Ray's Emma Pot of Soup, but we'll do it again. And also, uh, Fighting With Myself, both great shows. Bye. Some pretty funny dudes, so check those out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Scope MMA. Both of those dudes know way more about MMA than I do. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter talking about something you really don't give a shit about. It's at, occasionally funny though. At P T D S H A H E E N, and that wraps up the MMA Scope. And now it's time to kick it over to Takashi Six Nine. Yeah,